I uh, need some questions answered in the legal sense. I turn to my good friend, Mr. Andrew Lieb, Lieb at law.com, one of the best uh, out there, constitutional attorneys, extraordinaire, especially uh, the aforementioned Mr. Lieb. Uh, sir, a very, very good morning to you. Happy New Year, if I haven't wished you that yet. And, uh, you know, what's going on with our New York Islanders? You know, they give you a couple of games, a couple of glimpses here and there that uh, they're on the right track, and then they kind of fall up. Dismal road trip coming back. Uh, got a point the other day with the Stars coming into play. They got a point in a shootout but, and lost the game. But there is no consistency. You need consistency because right now they're on the, the outside looking in if the playoffs were to start today, my friend. Good to have you. It's great to be with you and to discuss the resurgence of the New York Islanders now that Adam Pellick has been skating for four days. When your number one defenseman's out, what do you think's going to happen? They also lost Palmari. They, they, were, they were really short. They, it was like an AHL team, and that effort they played the last game was great, even though we got the loss in overtime in that shootout. And tonight we're going to beat the Wild, and we're going right back into it, and this Islander team is the real deal. I got faith. Do you have faith? Uh, I'm, I, I need to have a little more faith. I need to have it. Uh, they play hard. They skate hard. I like the new coach and Lambert. Uh, the goaltending, I think we got the best tandem out there. And there's no question. Uh, but in essence, uh, I want to see a little more consistency because I tell you, the teams were battling Penguins, Capitals, Rangers. These are tough teams, all vying for the same position. So in essence, we got to do a little bit better. I want to see a little bit more. Hopefully, you mentioned with Pellick and everything else in play here, we will have that consistency. So, again, Minnesota tonight, they play, and hopefully you get off the right skate. All right, let's get into a couple of things, my friend. Lots of stuff happening. I was reading uh, a couple of days ago regarding the FTC, Federal Trade Commission, proposing a rule recently that would ban employers here from imposing non-compete clauses on workers. It's a measure that could really make it easy for people to switch jobs and deepen the competition for labor all across a wide range of industries. What about this proposed rule at this point in time preventing employers from imposing some of these clauses, Ms. Lee? Well, my law firm, Leave Law, focuses on employment law. That's really our main gig. And right. so this is something that we're talking to our clients about every day now because, you know, here's the thing. It's fine to change the rules, but it's not fine to change the rules retroactively. And the FTC is proposing, Jay, here's what they're proposing. They're saying, hey, listen, not just future non-competes are going to be gone, but past non-competes. They're going to throw them all out, Jay. So, like, so an employee who got a job, they got more salary, they got more benefits, they got more opportunities because of a non-compete, they're not going to be subject to it. So, really, it's a shift of income. It's a shift of wealth. It's a wealth-shifting exercise, which really reeks, reeks of government interfering in capitalism, because it's one thing to change the rules of capitalism proactively, but to do it retroactively, that's just terrible for business. I'm really against this retroactive provision. Here's my problem with what you're saying, okay? Everything you said is, is okay. I get it. But what about for the individual itself? Takes a job signs first day of work, all the paperwork, non-compete, everything else, he's in play. All of a sudden, a week later, things go awry. Things completely, completely cave in, not the promises that were in play. 
pretty much states, you know what, uh-uh, this is not going to work out. All of a sudden, he signs a, a non-compete. could be six months, whatever it is. What about that aspect as far as the employee? Doesn't he have a leg to stand on? Well, he might have a leg to stand on today without the law change. He has a leg to stand on because usually non-competes aren't enforceable unless, unless, unless there is something about a for-cause termination. And it depends on what the specific language of the non-compete says. But at the same note token, he took this job that he might not have given. So let me give you an illustration. Let's assume that my company, ABC Widget Corporation, has Coca-Cola cola as a client like warren buffett coca-cola as a client and do you think someone without a non-compete i would say hey go meet my account rep over there go get to know all the people over there and when you leave take coca-cola to as a client because i'm going to introduce you to them you see if someone didn't have a non-compete i would be very wary about putting them in positions in the infancy of their job as opposed to waiting until there's a, a lot of trust going on. So right now, employees are getting a better opportunity because they know they're restricted and they don't have the fear of the employers that they're going to go away. So again, I just want to emphasize, I think that non-competes have a lot of problems. I think that they take one in five employees have them. I think that they definitely are crippling on economies of the individual and the individual can't get a new job and this is terrible. But all I'm saying is you can't make a law retroactive. It's kind of like taking an agreement and saying, hey, Jay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be on your show for all this time. I'm going to be on the show for all this time. Okay, now I'd like to renegotiate all the money for the last year because the government changed the rules. You owe me $1,000 every time I was on the show. Well, you would be like, well, we didn't negotiate it like that the first time. So, you see, doing things into the future is one thing, but changing an agreement. The employee got paid. The employee got opportunities. You can't change it retroactively. That's an unfair taking from the government or a redistribution of wealth. This is very, very problematic. Get it? Retroactively is kind of the key verbiage here, uh, I guess. But I sense, I sense what you're saying, no question. Uh, you know, again, you know, things go awry during, uh, during even the embryonic stages of employment. And uh, and that's why, you know, I consider an employee maybe having the right to rethink a situation. Uh, that's all I'm saying, and they're somewhat handcuffed here. So I, I kind of get both sides somewhat. I certainly get what you're saying. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Now, the other thing to talk about with you this morning, my friend, is the governor announcing uh, a proposal uh, to offer fully paid parental leave uh, for New York State employees here. Uh, so under this initiative, unrepresented state workers, I guess, would receive, uh, is it 12 weeks of fully paid leave to use for, you know, kind of bonding uh, with a, a, uh, a child uh, in, in whatever way of, as, far as, being conce- as far as conception, newborn fostered, adopted, or whatever. But the governor will also direct uh, the employee relations to engage state unions on extending the benefit of their employees. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, let's start off with this crazy notion in the state of New York and other states, too, that we make one law for the public sector and one law for the private sector. So right now, if you're a 
employee, not of the government, of, of any company out there in New York State, you have paid family leave, you get 67%, not of your salary, but of what the state average salary is, which is something around $1,600. Uh, uh. But, you know, at the end of the day, you get this for the 12 weeks. But when they passed the law, they exempted government employees which is just crazy talk. If you're going to do anything, you should make a, a new requirement on business be on the government first, not on private sector employees. Why is it a private sector's employees, employer's responsibility to give governmental benefits? That's really what we're talking about. The issue shouldn't be about whether people should get paid family leave. Clearly, 12 weeks to bond with family, as Hochul changed it in the, in the public sector, uh, I mean, the private sector and to the private sector to also care for, like, a sick relative and to do other things. That's very important, and that's what government's for. But the problem was the original law wasn't what government was for. It was what the employer was for. So at least now what she's proposing, just so we're clear, is that there's three categories. One is these private employers that already have the law. The second one, which she's proposing right now, is saying if you're not represented in a union, She's proposing you get the same thing, basically, as the private sector employees if you're a government employee. And then she's, the third category, she's saying, if you're in the government but you're represented by a union, we're going to start engaging in collective bargaining because I can't pass a law to do things if you're subject to a collective bargaining agreement unless we do the collective bargaining agreement. And that's just to back you up the way a lot of the governmental employees got out of the COVID shot. They said, hey... You didn't engage in collective bargaining before you made a new work requirement. When someone's a part of a union, you have to go through the union. So three um, steps again. We already have it for private employees. This is bringing it to the public, and I think it's a good thing, although I think she should have done it the other way around first. We should have the government be doing this through tax benefits, through other incentivizations. Why is business it re responsible for this in the first place it's the problem for business so many things you got to do if you own a business and it's just not fair and that's why our economy is falling right now quite frankly you know this law does not extend the coverage requirement to public sector employees also the majority of the state workforce mr leaf uh they're not they're not currently covered you know so in essence it's only a sector of the population when you think about it here that's precisely the point. That's precisely the point. And the point is that, for example, there's a bill, and I was talking about on my podcast, The Leapcast, last week. Uh, there's a bill going through our state government that says that all pro bathrooms are going to have to have feminine hygiene products available for free. And that's a great idea until you think about the people that run the bathroom and they have to buy the feminine hygiene products. The real question is, why does government keep shifting the onus, the burden on these good ideas onto employers in the first place? We really need to have a mechanism that these good ideas can be collectively paid for instead of just being pushed off onto employers and giving yet another obligation onto the employer. So again, this paid family leave for government, the sector, is a good idea. But really, the concept should have been that why aren't we doing this as a government as opposed to in these segregated pots in the first place? That's the real problem with government today. They say, let's put a new obligation, while well, it's a good idea, on someone else question about Andrew Lee with us. We'll give him a bonus question here, ladies and gentlemen. That is, you know, the president's legal team, Andrew, found another batch of these classified government records following the initial discovery of classified docs uh, at his former uh, think tank office in the nation's capital this past fall. Uh, 
all in all, the initial batch of documents discovered contained, what, 10 classified documents? And as I pointed it out to uh, Congressman King, I'm sure he knew it already, the U.S. intelligence materials, briefing memos about Ukraine, Iran, U.K., some of them uh, as top secret, the highest level, of course. Not clear at this time how many docs were in the second batch or what the documents were about. And, of course, these records are supposed to be stored in secure locations. Obviously, I'm correlating it to the whole Mar-a-Lago deal with Trump. I mean, do you correlate this with Joe Biden as of serious nature, as was accentuated uh, over the last couple of months with the former president? So we have to start with this, Jay. And I have to give Biden credit on this, and then I'm going to destroy him. But I first need to give him credit that his team is the people that came forward and said, here's the documents. We found them. Please take them. And then his team continued to cooperate, which is the contrast from Trump, where they would say, let's go to court and fight why you can't have this stuff. Let's certify you got stuff that you didn't get, and then let's lie about what we have. So there's a big contrast there legally. But now here's the disaster of Biden. How of all things to let happen, how do you let this happen when your DOJ is going after Trump about this? You see, I see the nuance. The American public doesn't, and it's completely a disaster by Biden. Might have lost Andrew. Andrew with me? Let's see if we can get him back. There was important stuff there. Andrew Lee talking about the situation, of course, uh, regarding Biden. Uh, regarding the discovery of Obama-era uh, classified papers, ladies and gentlemen, in multiple occasions, former VP back in the day that uh, Joe Biden used, uh, you know, kind of the latest as far as fiascos. And the question is, you know, how do you, how do you have this happen? You know, how do you have it happen? How can anyone, you know, be that, uh, you know, we want to call it irresponsible or whatever, but pretty much, I mean, this is, See, this is what Biden declared also. If you remember the 60 Minutes interview, right, uh, that he had with Scott Pelley, where the FBI found the classified docs in its raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. So in essence, you know, that's how Biden kind of answered the question and whatnot there. But, you know, it's a problem because of all that's going on with Trump, even back in the day with Hillary Clinton, let's not forget that whole thing. But Pretty much, you know, you have a current president, you got a former president, and a lot of people say, you know what, full penalty of law here. Let's get back to Mr. Lieb and his thought process there. Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, I'm not sure what you heard of me before I got destroyed on the reception going on, but all I can tell you is that Biden is a disaster in that the one thing that you should have you should have clean hands. You can't attack anyone unless you clean your own house first. And how do you allow this to be the thing? It before well, the second they heard about Mar-a-Lago, and he knew for a while, the second they heard of it, they should have made sure they were a hundred percent clean. And this is what the Democrats always do. They have mud in their face. It makes them look like hypocrites. So, Jay, to answer your question. I don't see a legal correlation because I see that Trump dodged, fought, lied, swore that he didn't have stuff that he did have, and Biden affirmatively gave it back. But I see a, a media correlation, a public relations correlation, where the American people are like, what a clown. And then they say, oh, who cares about any of this stuff? They're all doing it. And Biden fails on that note. 
Listen, but the, and there is a history here. Listen, you if you read back with the Chris Shays, Congressman Shays out of Connecticut, you know, that goes back about, uh, what, 19, 20 years as far as uh, that type of stuff. You know, the inco- incomprehensibly complex uh, classification system uh, that uh, Shays was involved in. The Times reported back in 05 that agencies were classifying documents at the rate of 125 a minute. You know, trying to create these new categories of semi-secrets. You know, I mean, listen, it has gotten worse uh, since then. But uh, all in all, uh, it's a terrible job, especially as I pointed out, trying to get you back in play here regarding the Pelly interview on 60 Minutes, you know, uh, that Biden sat down with after the whole thing with Trump. I mean, come on. I mean, you talk about egg on the face as far as this administration, but they have had plenty. Uh, of egg on the face, and that's no yolk, as I like to say. But in essence, uh, it is what it is, you know? And it'll be very interesting to kind of navigate here Merrick Garland, you know? Merrick Garland, quick, quick to go at Trump and everything else. We'll see the rate of speed here, and I'm sure you will, too, regarding Garland and how he goes about this, huh? Well, just to be clear, Garland has already appointed a U.S. attorney to investigate this, so he was quick to do that in Garland's defense. And I have to tell you, again, I think egg on the face, we agree completely. But I think there's a lesson here in this, and you were talking about the rate of different classifications. I will tell you the number one pet peeve I have with attorneys and staff in my office and all offices is papers everywhere. Paper, paper, paper. And we live in a digital universe now where the only way you can organize things really is digitization. And you can keep things organized that way. And it's paper, paper, paper with stamps there and do this. I'm telling you, that's where people get sloppy and they lose things. And in Biden's defense and in Trump's defense, assuming Trump wasn't intentionally doing this, I can't even find my keys some days. So how do they know what's classified and not classified? The system's a problem. But Biden fails on the media yet again. Democrats fail on the media yet again. You have to have clean hands if you attack someone. And I think there's going to be no charges against Biden. I think he did the right thing by coming forward with it. But it just undermines every argument against Trump in one snap. It's the best 2023 President Trump could have ever got. It resurrects his ability to run. Biden can't beat him on that issue anymore question about it uh one last thing do you think congress which is under immense pressure right now to kind of take some steps to rein in uh some of these big tech companies andrew i know the president is calling lawmakers to set aside some partisan differences here and pass some legislation focused on improving some of the digital privacy and increasing tech industry oversight do you think we are going to get something in play regarding that Yeah, I think everyone's very into going after TikTok particularly, but I need to echo back to our FTC and non-compete conversation. I think these are great policies, but it's not the time. You have to look at the economy overall, and these tech companies, if you look at the stock market, are down 60%, 70%, 80%. I think um, Elon Musk is the first person to lose $200 billion. And I'm not saying that I feel bad for the guy. I wish I had a quarter of his, a tenth of of 1% of his money. But at the end of the day, you don't attack business when business is floundering. 
So what we need to do is we need to investigate and do stuff. But I think the timing of when Congress does things is very problematic. We don't want to put the dagger in our entire tech market because everyone knows FANG stocks was the thing that was propelling our market under Trump. So, yes, I think it's going to happen. I think that both Republicans and Democrats like to make tech into the boogeyman. But I think its timing is very bad for the economy. And what the American people really care about is how do we get the stock market going up? How do we get jobs going up? They're laying off every day. Salesforce lays off. Goldman Sachs lays off. We need to get the economy going, not attacking companies right now. We need to be pro-business. TikTok especially as as far as the ties, uh, you know, to China. Uh, no question, that has to be a main focus at this point in time. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Mr. Andrew Lieb, ladies and gentlemen, liebatlaw.com. And uh, we look forward to the next time, my friend, on the show. How's that? 